Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Pei Gimel and Masechus Bavakama. Whew, back to New- from New York. Uh, Barry's playing hurt. He started not feeling well. Barry should have first lima, but he's here. I'm coming back from something. Missed Andrew's big night. Andrew, we love you so much. That was very painful for me to not be able to be there. Uh, but all of Klai Israel's playing hurt. We had, uh, we... We heard some rough news from Israel yesterday. Um, I I fell asleep to the sound of uh, Atar just wa- watching Leviah after Leviah after Leviah. It's a very uh, uh, it's a very tough thing, but it's also very inspiring to see uh, these giborim. I don't know that we've ever seen a generation of soldiers like this in a long time. Uh, the kind of resolve and uh, the chizuk that they're giving us. Mekarsh Baruch Hu, v'imirape kol chol And even though we're playing hurt, may it be a prelude to Nechamas uh, and Yeshua's for all of Klal Yisrael. Okay, we're starting on, there's some great Agadita over here, as we come to the end of Perak Maruba. And the Agadita... <coughs> had to do a lot, uh, I don't know, if over Shabbos, I think it was, or maybe yesterday, uh, Sunday Eretz Yisrael, the idea that you can, for buying land in Eretz Yisrael, you can do Amir Akum because of the mitzvahs of Yeshua Eretz, a lot of very inspiring uh, agaritas, this is just, obviously, it's just a small sample, and so we get to the last line on Pei Beis and Beis, and the Gemara asks, the Mishnah had, the Brisa that we just quoted, had mentioned a curse on any any person who teaches his son what's called Chachma Yavanis. Okay. Are you really not allowed to learn Chachma Yavanis? Can you not learn Greek? V'hatanya. After all, there was a b'risa. I'm a Rebbe. Be'eretz Yisrael. In Eretz Yisrael, as we turn to Pei Gimel Maralath. Lashon Sursi Lama. Why do they speak Syriac in Israel? Syriac? Yeah. They had some sort of a Yiddish version of Aramaic. Uh, in the times of the Tanaim. Okay? This, in fact, is, as uh, Artscroll points out, is the language of the Talmud Yerushalmi. Okay? So, right, it's kind of not really Hebrew, it's not really Aramaic, it's kind of a mishmash, like Yiddish. So the Gemara asks, why speak Yiddish? Oh, Lashon HaKodesh or Lashon Yavanis? It would be like saying in Germany, right? Speak German or speak Hebrew. <laughs> well, what do you, what's this Yiddish? Okay, uh, I had a, whatever. I was right, you know, you know, in some yeshivas, they still speak Yiddish. I have a friend, a close friend, uh, Hannah, who wants to, wanted to send his, his kids to yeshiva. He said, this was an opportunity. Go to the shir that's in Yiddish. You'll have an opportunity to learn Yiddish. I asked him, why, why Yiddish? Speak Lashon HaKodesh, Hebrew, or, or speak German. What's this? So the Amar Rabbi Yossi, similarly, Rabbi Yossi said, Bavel, Lashon Arami Lama. O Lashon HaKodesh, O Lashon Parsi. Right, when you're living in Babel, so either speak Hebrew or speak the Persian that the, the people of Babel speak. Right? We have a little bit of a version of that in America also, where they'll have Yinglish, right? Like uh, Yeshivish kind of English. It's not really English. It's not really, it's certainly not Hebrew either. So that's, that's the Brysa. Now you'll notice in the, in the Brysa they said, O Lashon HaKadosh, O Lashon Yavanis. The suggestion, right, that Rebbe said was maybe you should just speak Greek. 
Well, speak the language of the place or speak your Lashon HaKodesh. But what is with these mishmash kind of like uh, languages that are a hybrid of the two? Oh. So the Gemara says, right, so obviously the question here is one of the options, according to Rebbe, was, you know what? If you're not going to speak Hebrew, speak Greek. Well, why should you speak Greek? I thought you're not supposed to learn Greek. So So the Gemara says, well, he's just talking about the language. Greek language you could speak. That's Lashon Yavani. And that's one, you know, Lashon Yavani, Greek language is one thing. And Chachmas Yavani Slechud. And the Greek wisdom, so to speak, is a different thing, right? The Greek philosophy and uh, that is what you're not allowed. That's what the Bryce is speaking out against. That's what you're not allowed to learn. But the language is okay. So the Gemara, is the Greek philosophy usher? This Pasuk in Eicha that we've quoted many times, my eye is repulsive to me. In other words, I can't stand what I'm seeing more so than all the daughters of my city. Right? It's, uh, it's, it's a Pasuk in Eicha that, that says that um, the tragedy is so great, right? All the families of the city of Yerushalayim are experiencing this great tragedy, but my eyes have seen the worst, okay? What they've seen is truly horrific. There's a thousand young men in my father's house. and 500 of them were in the base Medish, learning Torah, and 500 of them were learning Chachmas Yivanis in college. So I've seen all thousand young men extinguish Rachman al-Itzlan. Okay. And my father's brother, otherwise my uncle, um, my uncle's son, so my cousin, right? My father's brother's son in Asya. Those are, that's the only other person that was surviving. Just me out of a thousand people, me and my cousin were the only people left. Well, okay, so he's lamenting that these Cheshavit uh, young men were all Rachmanas on decimated. And yet, it sounds like half of them were learning Chachmei Yavanis. So how could they have been learning Chachmei Yavanis if Chachmei Yavanis is also to learn? You get it, Barry? So Amri, the answer is, shiny based Rabban Gamliel, Shari Korvin the Malchus. This is a wild uh, 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 suggestion here. That the, in Beis Rabban Gamliel, they were close to the monarchy. They were somehow in a political position where they needed to be well-versed <coughs> in the Greek uh, wisdom in order to function right close to the seat of power. Is that a, uh, is that a heter, Barry? In other words, that's why they could do it. Okay. That's kind of how you, okay, I mean, so you think maybe that that's kind of how you would assimilate if you're Karvla Machos. So apparently, obviously, right, the role of the Nasi was different. Uh, there's more, I'm sure, to say here, but in, 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 its, in a nutshell, right, there's a lot of unfortunately we're going to have to deal with this. Like, what is the Isser? What would be the Isser? The Isser, you know, clearly would be some version of getting caught up in the Greek philosophy and incorporating that into your life philosophy. But if you are near the seat of power and it's a real toeles, you're not really doing it for the sake of adopting this, these mindsets, uh, right? You're doing it for the sake of making things 
more comfortable for the Jewish community and enabling the Jewish community to learn Torah and all of that. So as long as you keep that mindset, certainly that would be a challenge, but it's a different thing. This is not doing it for Lishma. It would be like the difference between going to college, so to, uh, you know, for the sake of the liberal arts education versus going to college to get the degree in order to move on for Parnassah, that kind of thing, right? Uh, but this is even more than your own personal Parnassah. This is for the general good of the, of the cloud. So if you could keep your wits about you and, and have the right perspective as to why you're doing it and maybe take the actual thing less seriously as far as what the life philosophy is, so then that, some version of that will be the answer and how, how that's allowed, okay. Right, so, so Barry wants, wants to ask a good question. He says, you know, the reason to adopt the learning of the Chachmei Avanis um, may be valid, right, because it's serving the Jewish community. But there was a Gezerah, right? So when you have a Gezerah, the Gezerah, you know, d- doesn't necessarily indicate what the reason is. And even if a reason comes along to con- counter that Gezerah, that's not, that's not reason enough necessarily to go against the Gezerah and to learn the Chachmei Avanas. So that's a very good question, right? I mean, this is what is causing all the Rishonim and Achronim to speak about this. Um, the, the answer would have to be one of a couple of answers, either like a Haraz Shah type thing. You know, you are talking about potentially survival. And so the Gedolim of the generation would have to get together and, uh, and figure out, you know, a way to make a special dispensation, an exception, if you will. Okay, that's one possibility. Or maybe you could say that even in the original Gezerah was only, not, not even a rationale, that the Gezerah was on the studying of it for the sake of adopting it as a life. In other words, the idea of studying it, it's almost like a definitional, right? What, would, what does studying it mean? To take on Greek philosophy as part of your worldview, right? But to just, you know, utilize that knowledge in order to, to make your way around the halls of power is, uh, is maybe not the, what the Gezer is. It would be some version of those, those two, right? But, uh, but the question is a good question nonetheless. Um, and so there's a Gemara, now the Gemara's not gonna bring the Brisa that explains how the, what the mechanics are of learning this Greek philosophy for the sake of this purpose as follows. Learning the Brisa, Mesaper Komi. Uh, Komi is a cool haircut, right? Like a Hare Krishna. It's like a it's like a Hitler Youth slash Hare Krishna uh, haircut. So sometimes you know these haircuts are very Goisha haircuts. Harezemi Darche Amori. That's the ways of the Amoris. Okay. Have Avtolmos Bar Komi. And yet, even though that haircut is not good. Um, it's a, it's a little bit of, I don't, I don't know that they're cutting off the payas. I think they're leaving the payas. So let's leave the sugi of payas, uh, out of it. But it's a guyish haircut, which you're not supposed to anyway. But they let Aftulmas Baruvin get that haircut. Why? Wow. So they relaxed that gazera because he was Karvalamachos. Yeah. My sense is, Barry, you know, 
what is the purposes of these gezeras? In, in order to not adopt what, what we would call, right, Goyesha values, right? These cultural values. If, if you need to look or talk a certain way in order to just get through the door, right? Because you're, represent, you're an ambassador. So maybe today's modern sensibilities where, you know, you have Arafat walking in and getting like a Nobel Peace Prize, as ridiculous as that may sound. And everybody is kind of like to each his own and, and, and is uh, their individuality celebrated. So I think the notion of not walking around with a yarmulke or looking Jewish is a little bit different, you know, in America nowadays, for, you know, at least for the time being. But in those days, right, if you didn't look or talk a certain way, then you're, you're not getting through the door. So that's a different thing, right? So that was never, so to get through the door, that's a, that, that, that they allowed because you're not doing it for the sake of doing it for any other reason other than, you know, to, to, to walk through Bashar HaMelech and to be able to at least have a voice, right? That was very important. So they let Avtulmus Baruvin have that haircut in order to get through the door. They should carve Lamalchus, right? He needed to speak on behalf of the Jewish people in the halls of right royalty. And similarly, be a nice study to see what these haircuts look like. Uh, in this case, Lesaper, isn't it great? The, uh, there, there's a barbershop culture, right, where you get the haircut and you schmooze. So here you have the word Lesaper, uh, meaning both. It's uh, almost like a pun. Lesaper here means to get a haircut or to speak, right? Sipur, in the Greek wisdom, right? also because he's carved lamachos. Very good. Uh, so lehistaper. Uh, well, lehistaper is if you're going to the barbershop, Barry. What if you're cutting your own hair? <laughs> uh, right, that's very good. Okay, so so that's very good. We're getting into the um, the dictuk. Okay, so sixteen lines down, two dots. Um, Moshe Aziz, you'll have to forgive Barry when he's not feeling well. He he always defaults to dictuk. Okay, here we go. <laughs> sixteen lines down, two dots. Uh-oh, Dr. Julie Blumenfeld uh, is not going to want to listen to this because this is all about the dogs. What about, what about growing dogs? This, our Mishnah mentioned you're not allowed to raise a dog unless it's bound by chains because you can't scare somebody. So the story goes like this. Right? So we have this uh, Mishnah. You can only have a dog if it's on a leash at all times. Another uh, permutation of that shurish. As far in this case, you can raise a dog in a city close to a border. As far, we haven't really learned that idea, uh, that, that, that word before. Uh, Rashi says, Marka ben Yisrael over the Kachavim, it's It's a border, Rashi explains. It's near over the Kachavim that are, that are ready, to, ready to pounce on you. So there, you need guard dogs. So that's allowed. Uh, at nighttime, you need to have the guard dogs to protect you. Tied up during the day when like people and the Jews are walking around, and then at night, have it patrol the border. Okay. Similarly, Tanya, we have a bracer. Whoa, that having dogs in your in your house and raising dogs is like raising pigs. Obviously, raising pigs we've already seen is very frowned upon. Says the Gemara. In what way is it like raising pigs? In the sense that. 
that you're you're cursed, as we've said, for raising pigs. Um, that was a, a curse that we learned in yesterday's daf, and you could you could get harem for that, and similarly raising dogs also, right? You're not supposed to raise dogs to scare and uh, hurt people. Okay. Now wait a second. What do you what do you consider? Good enough for a guard dog. Bavel That Bavel, you're allowed to have dogs because, like, you never know. It could be a dangerous neighborhood. Targum and Nahar And the Gemara understands Bavel specifically is referring to Nahar Okay, because that was like a border city in Bavel, and he's saying, you know, it has a big Jewish community, so you treat it like Eretz Israel, which is to say, right, if it's a border town. It's like um, you have to, right? You have to somehow um, take into account how many Jews are in your community that you're that you're preserving. You know how how big is the threat from the outside? The bottom line is, if it's a situation that requires a guard dog, that's allowed. Okay. Says the Gemara, anti-dog Gemara a little bit. Darish Okay. So there's a town called Biri. Uh, shout out to the Baltimore Israel Relief Initiative, BIRI. Um, uh, Tara spoke on their behalf the other day. The uh, Moshe and Yitz and, and Svi running this thing uh, on behalf of Kali Israel in Israel. Anyway, he was from a town called Biri in Israel. And it says, Famous Pasuk, where one of the Masas of the Aron rested. And when it rested, Moshe would say, Shuvu, Hashem reverse Israel, return, right, Hashem to us, to the thousands in Eretz Israel. What is the Pasuk teaching? Interesting teaching that the Shechina doesn't come to rest on a group of Jews that has less than 22,000 people. Chaser Achas. Okay, so what if there's 21,999? And let's say they're about to get to 22,000 and get that shechina because a woman is pregnant. We're about to get that 22,000 soul in Klal Yisrael and all of a sudden, and what would you say if you're the owner of that dog that barked at her and caused her to lose that child? It would turn out that by owning a dumb dog, all of a sudden the shechina is not going to be part of Israel because the dog scared the woman. In other words, is it worth it, Right? to have a dog in order to scare one person. And the sort of um, absurd, most extreme case of that would be if that person that you scared was going to be the woman who was pregnant with the 22,000th person who was going to bring the Shekhinah. So like, is that what you want on your head? I have to tell you, we've owned dogs over the years and they're so cute, Barry. They're really fun. Sometimes it's fun because, like, they're really sincere. Sometimes they're really confused. It's, like, a really fun thing to have a pet. Of all the halachic shaylas, most of them can, uh, from what I understand, can be, uh, we're not going to get into the situation, or Moshe uh, wrote that it's usr to handle, maybe they're muktza. No, no, he wrote that it's okay. And then in a subsequent posthumous, like, uh, v- extra volume of the Igros Moshe, they wrote, it's okay to handle these animals, Except pets. <laughs> you know, the, the children of Moshe Feinstein wrote a volume of Igros Moshe after he passed away, 
And in that, they excluded pets. Okay, so there's a whole sugya there in about whether the pets are muktzah or Vasha Weiss. Uh, when I asked him personally, he says it's not muktzah. Uh, he thought it was pashat, that that's not an issue. You know, the, the food, kashras and all that is not an issue. That was, you, could get, you could get through all those issues. The real question is, if you have a guest and they're scared, right, so then is it worth it, right? If you're going to scare somebody, okay, so you keep it, you lock it in the basement, you lock it in the backyard, that kind of thing. That's where it gets a little bit um, tricky. Anyway, so this is, this is what this Gemara is saying. Like, enachinami, you know, the dog's not going to hurt anybody, right? You trust this dog. It's a delicious, cute dog. But, you know, if the person's scared, so it doesn't matter. And that's what Gemara actually continues to say. Following story. There's a woman who's walking to house to bake bread. And the owner's dog barked at her. So the owner said what every dog owner says. Don't be afraid. In this case, the neve is the canine. Uh, the canine tooth is the third tooth from the midline berry. It says the canines are removed. In other words, it's harmless. It doesn't even have the teeth to bite you with. Amar so the woman said to him, Shkilei tivusayich v'shadya You know what you could do for, with your reassurance? My gratitude for your assurance, throw it into the bushes. It's worthless. Why? Because she already got scared out of her wits, Barry. Kvar nad valad. Wow, she got so scared she was pregnant and she already lost the fetus, right? Yeah. If you've ever had a dog in a, um, in a Haredi community in Israel, you'll know. It's ter- there, certain cultures are terrified. So, like, what are you going to terrorize people? You're going to walk around with a dog and terrorize people? <laughs> okay. First wide line on Peggy Mohamed Aleph. Ain't person nishbin leonim. Okay, so now we have the two dots. This has to do with spreading nets for capturing wild doves. Why can't you spread nets to capture wild doves? What's wrong? Wild doves are great. Yeah, the Mishnah had said you have to have a certain distance. What's the distance? 30 wrists. We'll talk about how much that is. You have to spread the nets for far away enough from the closest settled area so as to not, what? Steal doves that belong to people, in other words, within a certain perimeter of, of the settled area. Those doves belong to somebody. They just kind of stray a little bit. But you can't just grab all the strays into your net. You have to go to an area where they're mamish hefker. Okay, says Hi, wait a minute. Thirty risvatanan. We learned in a mission in Baba Basra, which we haven't learned yet. With God willing, we will. Machiking es hashovach minayir chamishin ama. Right. You're supposed to. I think this is lo yachpor. Is it? It's a great. It's a great parak. Anyway, you have to distance the right um, the shovach. Right, where all you have your dovecoats, you have to have it 50 almas from the city. Okay? You have to put it on 50 almas to the city because there's orchards and fruit trees and everything surrounding the city, and they belong to the inhabitants of the city. So this is a different concern. This is a concern of not are you stealing, right? When you're casting the net, the concern is are you stealing birds that don't belong to you? When you're putting up a dovecoat, your concern is the, your birds, are they eating from... Fields that don't belong to you, okay? Either way, it's about stealing. Now, wait a minute. That means, why, why 50 amos? In other words, you have your dove coat. So you're thinking, okay, my doves are in there. And they're, not, they're only going to travel, what, 50 amos? Because that's the amount of distance that you have to have from the city. Sounds like they're not traveling more than 50 amos. Well, our Mishnah said 
that if you want to make sure to not get somebody else's doves, you got to stay um, 30 risks, which is 8,000 amos. So that's a very big difference. So what is the distance that these doves are traveling? Says the Gemara, Amarbai, Misha Chaiti Tuva. Well, doves can fly way more than 50 amos, right? However, Karsai Bechamishin Amamalia. However, when, right, they eat, so they're only eating the first 50 amos, right? After the first 50 amos, they're, they're not just snacking all the time, then they're just flying, right? So in other words, if it depends on the concern. If the concern is that they're going to eat, they only eat within 50 amos of the dove coat. If the concern is that they're going to fly out of the city and that you don't want to take the birds, so then they can fly a long distance, 8,000 amos. Wow. So the Gemara, they only fly 30 risks, 8,000 amos, to make sure shloshim risks for Sulo. Wait, okay, okay, second. So if you're going to say flying and your concern is that you don't want to take somebody else's doves, are you sure that they, don't, that they only fly 30 risks? After all, Tanya, we learned in Brisa, by Yeshua, Philomea, Miloy for us. Yeah. If you have like a big city, then you can't spread even Mea Mil really, really far. Wow. Okay. Uh, Mea Mil is like 25 times more than 30 risks. That's about 4 mil. So, 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 so which is it? Four? Mea? Like, if you want to avoid stealing doves, how can you cast the net with anywhere within 100 miles, so to speak, of the city? So, that it depends on the kind of settlement. Either Yishuv Karmim or Rabba Amar Bishuv Shovachin. Right? If you have a settlement of Shovachim, dovecoats, or vineyard, so then they're traveling great, great distances. Uh, because you have a lot of vineyards or dovecoats, a lot of places for them to stop along the way, right? But when they don't have any, when it's just barren wasteland and they have no place to rest, they're not really going to go more than four million. That's like how much they go in one flight, so to speak, right? But if they're doing like connecting flights, so then they can travel much further, okay? I have a tape of So then just say, right? Learn, teach this, that, that, in other words, the Brysa should have said so, right? That if it has Shavachim, it should be 100 mil. If not, it should be 4 mil. Why are we saying, like, categorically these 4 mil, this 30 risks? Well, maybe the Brysa is talking about where the nearby dovecoats are owned by Ovakachavim. What do we care? Well, that's the point. We don't care. We're talking about depraved people, and you don't have to be so extra careful to damage the property. That's why I think it's... Um, those, those Gemaras in Baba Basra are talking about being good neighbors. It's amazing Gemaras. Look forward to those. I can't believe we're on the final volume of the art scroll that we're about to pick up of Baba Kama. That was quick. So that must mean that we're going to get to Baba Basra soon. Uh, there's a Baba Metziah in between, you know, Barry. But be that as it may, the point of that, those Gemaras are being a good neighbor. Uh, I know you, when we get to it, you're going to ask me, is this a Gezerah? Is this Minatora? Is this Dararaisa? Dararabanan? But the bottom line is, it's like how to interact with other people. And, but that only assumes that everyone's like good neighbors. But here, if you're talking about, so, so you have to be extra sensitive, right? But you don't have to be extra sensitive to totally insensitive, depraved lowlives. Okay, that's one possibility. Maybe you're talking about where you know that they're hefker, the dovecoats are. Well, if they're hefker, so then obviously you don't have to worry about it. Or it's your own. Well, obviously your own then you're not going to have to worry about that one either, right? Because you're only worried about stealing from other people. So, Hadron Allah Maruba, 
And so, you only got here just in time for us to finish uh, Perak Maruba. And now we're going to start the next Perak. Right? Thank you. Malta on that. That was great. Hachovel. Pegim Alamad Beis. So as we turn to Pegim Alamad Beis, we get into a new sugya. Hachovel B'chavero. A familiar idea. We've already discussed it. Here's the locus classicus. This is where we, this is where we start to learn. Hachovel B'chavero. As we know, this is talks about physical injuries of human beings one to another. So a person, if he injures Rahman Etzlan, his fellow Jew, famously he's chayav for five uh, things, five aspects of repayment. Benezek, right? That's the actual damage. The mission is going to already explain how that's assessed. Bitsar for the pain, okay? Beripui for the medical expenses. Shaves for the unemployment, right? The, the loss of work that he does. Uboshet, and for the humiliation. So Baruch Hashem, Bezat Hashem will be Zoha to analyze all of these things and how they're calculated as follows. Says the Gemara, but Nezek said, how do we assess for actual Nezek? Simas Eno. So let's say a case where somebody, Rahman Atzlan, blinds another person. So, or Shibet, or Katat Yado, cuts off his hand, Shibet Ragla breaks his leg. That's the easy way to look at it, Barry. You've already seen this. You've assessed how much he would fetch in the slave market. Vishaman Kamahaya Yafa, how much, right, he would have been evaluated, evaluate how much he would have been worth. right, and how much he's worth now. That is the difference. So it's, it's almost like an advance in a way, Barry, because like it's not just necessarily physical activity, as we'll see, right? But like, whatever, if the guy, if the, if the guy was... Uh, you know, an NBA player, and you cut off one of his hands, so that that's going to also play into it, right? So he was he was about to, to evaluate what would be the contract that he would fetch, I suppose, because um, if you owned that player, if and he was your slave, okay, this is getting a little weird, but if he owned that player and he was your slave, you would fetch right that contract, right? And yet now you can't get any, so you're going to get all of that up front. So you're going to get a lot of money in that particular scenario, which is to say if he lost a very vital thing, so then, you know, okay. Now, that, okay, Vitsar, how about the amount of pain? So then, Kavau, Bishapur, Masmer. Okay, so this is talking about pain. So let's say, right, something that really hurts, like a burn or you get hit with a nail, and the mission of uh, explains even in a place where it does not make a wound well, why is it saying that because you don't have any physical damages nothing you're going to go to the doctor for it's something that maybe you don't even see you don't, you, nobody else would ever there's nothing to compensate you for other than the pain right it hurts oh. so you might have thought right that's the point you might have thought well I didn't lose any time at work right I didn't lose any value um so I didn't have to go to the doctor. I didn't have to have any medical expenses. Yeah, but it, it hurt. So for that, you do have to pay, right? How do you evaluate that, though? That's hard to quantify, isn't it? So you have, we try. Misha says, we would evaluate how much does this kind of person, what does that mean, this kind of person? Well, it depends. Is it a dainty person or a tough person? If it's somebody with a very low pain threshold tolerance, we're going to have to pay more to that person, Right? In other words, how much would he pay to avoid this pain? Right? So that's a, 
tricky thing to evaluate, but that's what we're trying to do, right? This pain is evaluated by how much this person, and that's going to be subjective, right? Every, every person would pay a different amount to avoid that pain. Be that as it may, that's what we are going to have to pay for the tsar, okay? Ripui. Medical expenses. If one person hits another person, you have to heal him, okay? So now, all about smachim, but so that's, the simple case, right? There's an injury and you pay medical expenses. It's posh. Yeah, but what if you develop sores? So then it's going to have to depend. Right? If the sores are directly attributable to the injury, so then you're going to have to pay for that. But if it sores were unrelated, so then you're going to be putter. Well, yeah, if they're unrelated, why would you pay? So the Gemara is going to, going to handle that. Right. Like, what would you say if the person's bedridden and now they have bed sores? You know what I mean? Like, at a certain point, there's going to be like a grumma aspect to it. How, or, or the guy's depressed because he got injured. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's, there are cascade effects where it's not 100% clear. What is the direct cause and effect correlation between the injury and the sores? Okay. That's, that's kind of where we're getting at there. Okay. Uh, similarly, now let's go back to the sore of the wound that actually was caused by the assailant. Okay, so now it heals, but then it comes back. It just keeps keeps popping up. So you still have to pay for the you know continuing care for that pay, uh, person because it's really from the original maka, right? From the original injury. Uh, that's if it never fully heals. However, says the Mishnah, if it fully heals. So then that's when you're done paying for that injury, even if it returns, right? Ain't no chayvla raposo. It sounds like even if it goes back for some whatever reason, uh, you're not obligated to, to hit it, okay? Um, let's, let's, let's say it heals almost completely and then the guy starts picking and scratching at it, that kind of thing, okay? Okay, so that is ripoy. Sheves, what about sheves with unemployment? That... That should be obvious. You know, whatever, whatever amount of work he loses. Not exactly, says the Mishnah. We don't pay him for the lost wages at his job in the NBA, uh, but we pay him for lost wages that he would lose when he's bedridden uh, now that he's no longer eligible to go into the game. Now he's a security guard in Madison Square Garden instead or watching over Kishuin. So... You pay him for that wage. Well, that's a much lower wage. How, how is that fair? Says the Mishnah, Yeah, because we already gave him an advance for all of his lost value in the slave market, right? So that was the Nezek that we already paid him. This is an additional thing. In other words, the Nezek accounts for the difference between being the security guard in Madison Square Garden and, start, and being one of the starting five, right? And then... So, so the Nezek accounts for the difference in that. And then you already are also not eligible because you're better in to be the security guard. So that's the, that's the, uh, whatchamacallit, right? The, uh, Shevis. Okay. Finally, humiliation. Boshes. We're going to tackle that in the Gemara. Right? When it comes to humiliation, everything has to do with who humiliated you and where are you holding when you're being humiliated. Are you already down in the dumps or that kind of thing? And that's, of course, you know, that, that, that analysis is going to be uh, challenging. Um, and we're going to try to figure out how to quantify the amount of humiliation. And that's a, it's going to be a fun to, thing to do indeed. Okay. All right. So let's start with Nezek. Says the Gemara, Amai, why are we paying for the amount of damage? The Pasuk, after all, says, Ein tachaz ein. Ein tachaz ein, sounds like what? It sounds like old, olden medieval times. 
You lose the guy loses an eye, take out his eye. That's fair as fair. Ema ein mamish. Sounds like you just take out his eye. Okay. By the way, you have to look in Vayikra, Perkhaf Dalid, okay, Pasakit Zion, and on, and you say, it says, If a person hits another person, he should die. Uh, he should be put to death. There, it sounds like he, as we'll see in the Gemara, sounds like he's killing someone, okay. Similarly, there, so Makeke means a bunch of things. You can hit somebody a fatal blow or not, be that as it may, you hit a behema, you're going to pay for that. Well, it sounds straight up. You damage somebody, whatever you do, that will be done to you. And the Pasuk doubles down. So we can see this as a real serious havamina, right? That's exactly what the Pasuk sounds like. You break them, they'll break you. You take the eye, they'll take your eye. It literally says, whatever you do, that should happen to you. It's almost like the kasher zamam. We know by kasher zamam we do exactly what you plan to do by the Adam zamam. And yet, it continues and says, the pasuk, you must. If you hit an animal, you're going to have to pay. You hit a human being, you're going to have to be put to death. Says the pasuk, finally, mishpat echad yelachem. You should have one mishpat echad. There should be one law for a citizen or for a ger. So what's going on? So now the Gemara is going to take that Pasuk and start analyzing, right? It starts off sounding certainly like an eye for an eye. Then it veers off a little bit into So how do you sort this all out? So the Gemara, you shouldn't think that, it's, that when the Pasuk says an eye for an eye, even though it sounds like exactly that, you shouldn't think that. Why? Because the Bible says, Yachos, you must say no, you say no. You would have thought you blind somebody, you should get blinded. You cut off his hand, you should get your hand cut off. She wears raglum, shabbos raglum, you break someone's legs, your leg should be broken. That's what the Torah means when it says, hitting, hitting a person and hitting a behemoth. There is a analogy here. Just like when you wound an animal, it's teaching you that it's a monetary payment that you're going to have to pay. So too, a monetary payment for the person. Wait a minute. Says the Gemara. And if you're going to want to say, uh, a pasuk elsewhere, uh, where we're going to see, that if you want, if your heart desires... You could learn this comparison from another person, again, from another source. In, in other words, what's the source again? The source is that we're learning into the Pasuk that even though it sounds like an eye for an eye in a literal way, that it's really we're comparing it to Behema, and there it's understood to be in a way where it's monetary but not literal. But the, the, the Brysa is giving you another option to learn it from somewhere else. From what? From kidnapping. What does that Pasuk mean? It, it means that you're not supposed to take, right, um, a ransom, right, for the life of a Rotseach who deserves to die. What does that mean? In other words, if you have a murderer, you can't ransom him out of that. You can't pay your way out of death row. But if you have somebody who suffers, Roshay Varim is the tips of limbs. Okay, so if somebody loses a limb, and Eina Chosrim means it does not regenerate, in other words, permanent damage, for that, you can take a ransom. In other words, 
you pay for that. You don't. So this is just another way of saying, right, that that death has carries with it uh, that murder carries with it capital punishment, and for that you kill. But anything short of murder, even if it's non regenerative limbs, for that you pay. Okay, that's basically another source to say that all of these can't, we're talking about Hezek here. Whenever it's Hezek, you pay. Whenever it's uh, something that's murder, you pay with your life. That's what's going on. Okay. Now, wait a minute. We just said cha, uh, che, make. Okay, which make do you mean? So we, as we quoted in the Psukim, we said, as we said that maka means injury. But wait a minute. The very first Pesach we quoted Right, sounds like it's a fatal blow. So, which blow are you referring to? Which maka? Right. In other words, the word makeh in the Torah can mean regular patch, or it can mean a fatal blow. So, which one are you talking about? You must. If you're saying the one in the pasuk says that when you that you pay for an animal, but then when you strike a person, you should be put to death. That can't be the blow that we're talking about. That from which you learn Nezikin, right? Because after all, that is clearly talking about a fatal blow, right? So in other words, that Pasuk is teaching you that a fatal blow to another human being, you're going to get the death penalty. A fatal blow to a behemoth, you'll pay for the behemoth. So the Gemara says, no, but we learn from this following comparison. Right? The, so this is all, again, the Psukim, we, we took the time to read the Psukim so you understand in context, it's talking about a, a, a blow that you strike an animal, right? And for that, you're going to have to pay a life for a life. So again, as we just said, so it talks about a fatal blow. And then the next part of a human being, the next pasuk talks about a fatal blow to the behema. And then the next pasuk talks about a injury blow, a patch. And we say, whatever he does should be done to him. High lav ma kehu. Oh, so wait a minute. That's also sounds like it's referring to Makeh. So what blow are we referring to, right? If you take the Psukim in context, it sounds confusing. It starts off with a fatal blow, and then clearly it's not talking about a fatal blow. So what is it? Haka, haka, kamrinan. So that's why, right? So that's why we have a Gezer Shavit from the two different Makeh. Ma haka, mon just like when we say haka regarding to the animals referring to tashlumin, tashlumin. Right? So if you follow the sequence of the Psukim, we transition Barry. Even as you're the Balakari reading it through, you may not have noticed, but now you know the Gemara, you know you, you know that you're transitioning from a fatal blow to a patch. But wait a minute. But then in the conclusion of the Pasuk, as we transition through, it says that a person, if he strikes any other person, he should be put to death. So it doesn't sound like we ever transitioned out of a fatal blow. So the Gemara, B'mamon. No, it's talking about paying money. What do you mean? B'mamon. How, how so? Ema b'misa mamish. The, the Pasuk says, most of you must. How is that mamon? So the Gemara, Yeah, because once you transition in the Pasuk and you know through the Gzair Shava that we're talking about, we've already transitioned in the Psukim from a fatal blow to a patch, an injurious blow, and then afterwards it says, right, and it doubles down and reaffirms in the Pasuk afterwards, it says that just like you injured a person, so you too, you should be injured, 
you put it all together and you learn that we're talking about not a fatal blow, but a, uh, an injury blow from which you pay mamon. Okay. So now the Gemara wants to know, ma'im nafshach loma. So we had the Bryce, and we said you could learn it from this makeh makeh, this whole lima that we just learned. Or if you want, if you feel like it, then you could learn it from the lotikhu kofer lanefesh rotzeach, that you can't take a murderer and just let him pay it off, but you could do so for an injury. So it says, what is this, a buffet, where you get to choose which limud you want? Like, why are we doing, why are we having a choice of which limud we want? It says the Gemara, two kakasha latana. Yeah, because the first answer of Makeh had all the difficulties and challenges. In other words, the Psukim and Vayikra are, in fact, ambiguous. And you can ask questions all the way. It's not really so clear. This whole transition that we took you from fatal blow to patch, back to fatal blow. Like, it sounds like we're making up the Teirutsun as we go along. We're not, obviously, but it doesn't. We have kashas along the way. So just like we said, That question that we ask. Right, is, is a good question. So Amri done in Ezekiel Mezikin, Vayna Nazikin Misa. So so they said that's a true dilemma because if because it's not necessarily unanswerable, because we could say we should learn laws of injuries from laws of injuries and not from the Misa, and yet all the Psukim are mixed together. Says the Gemara, Adam. We could have easily said it the other way. That we want to learn injuring a person from the death blow of a person, Vain Dun Adam Behema. Right, and as we took the behemoth, we took you through like a roller coaster of what the psukim mean, but we could have easily taken the roller coaster in the other direction. And it is for that reason that the Bryce said, if you want, you can learn it from a different limud, right? Because the Pasuk says, just like we said, that when it, takes, when it comes to murder, you can't get out of that with paying for it. But you can take the kofar for Rosh Hashem, which are not Chosrim. Okay, so let's uh, resume tomorrow, Bezat Hashem, five lines up from the wide lines on Pei Gimel and Bez.